0: of this series titled Awaken, and this is the last week, and I'm excited to present to you this message that, believe it or not, is gonna be preached amongst a a bunch of churches in South Florida, which is crazy. So we're we're preaching the same scriptures, some of the same points, and our hope is that together, we would declare one thing, and I wanna share that with you today, but if you have your Bibles, go to Acts chapter four, and I'd ask ask you to stand to your feet. Acts chapter four, you can stand as we read this. I just wanna read a few, few passages Peter and John, two amazing disciples, um, are arrested for preaching the name of Jesus. You know, I love that first song we sang. There's joy in the house of the Lord, and we won't be silent. Come on. We won't be silent. But Peter and John are not silent, and they get arrested, and uh, they couldn't find any Um, anything wrong with what they were doing, they couldn't be charged uh, uh, guilty, and so they get released. And so we pick up in Acts chapter 4, verse 26, or 23. It says, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices. Come on, somebody say, raised their voices. They raised their their voices together in prayer to God. Now I want to skip over to verse 31. I'm gonna read the rest of that here, but I want to go to verse 31. It says, after they prayed, somebody say after. After they what? After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And the and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and the, spoke the word of God boldly. The greatest, one of the greatest recorded prayer services ever in Scripture. And look what took place. You could be seated. I, uh, on Wednesday nights years ago, I'd find myself in a, in a warehouse teaching and um, every once in a while in this warehouse, as I was teaching or, or maybe even praying, um, I kid you not, the ground would begin to shake. I mean, I, I could feel it, they could feel it. We weren't making it up. It would begin to shake as we would preach boldly the word of God. The walls began to shake. The spirit of God was moving so evidently that everything in that building began to shake. Or it was because we we're about 20 yards away from the train tracks um i don't know but you know i, I would sometimes just tell the kids i'm like do, do you feel it and if i could time it right it would start and i would say do you feel the power of god and everything in the room the building would shake and uh, I, I just wonder if that could really happen again i wonder if it could be real it's, it's happening here in acts chapter 4. the people got together the church got together and they prayed with such boldness that it led to the the moving and the shaking of the Spirit of God, which led to the boldness of speaking the Word of God. And I wonder what it would look like if all the churches in South Florida simultaneously came together and prayed and asked for boldness. Somebody say boldness. I wonder if we could shake like that warehouse years ago on Wednesday nights next to the train tracks, or like this building that these people were in in Acts chapter 4. I wonder if we could get a city shake come on I wonder if we could get a city to shake church and so if you're taking notes today the title this morning's message is it's time to be bold it is time to be bold let's pray one more time father we thank you and God we love you and I just I just thank you for getting us up and getting us here despite the weather despite the rain and father God I pray that your spirit would be working and moving in such a way would you would you allow me to get out of the way and allow your truth and your scriptures to be presented. We know that changes people. We know that convicts people. Would you make us better believers, make us better uh, sons and daughters, make us better parents? And so that Lord, when we walk out of these doors, we, we represent you in a much better way. As we put on that, that hoodie, we can boldly say that we are living the way that God has intended us to live. And that's what we ask today. In Jesus' name, everybody said. In one loud voice, come on, amen. Tell somebody next to you, it's time to be bold. Does anybody know any bold people? And, and not, I didn't say bold people. I know we know some of those. But Anybody know anybody who's bold? You know, the definition of bold is showing an ability to take risks, to be confident, and to be courageous. Bold people are those who just have confidence. They know how to grab life by the horns they're not afraid to voice their opinions they walk with a confidence they talk with a confidence they're they're prideful in their achievements Now, now being a bold person can be a powerful thing but the truth is we're not all bold some of us have to dig a little bit deeper to be bold some of us are just born a little more timid how many would be honest and relate? Some of us were just born, we're not as bold as other people. I was, I was 13 years old and there was this girl that I really liked and I, I needed to ask her to prom but she told me you gotta ask my dad. And her dad was a firefighter. Not just any firefighter, he was a big firefighter. Not just any big firefighter, he had the, the handlebar mustache. I was 13 years old, I was a little boy. She's like, you gotta ask my dad. And here I come, when he was not working, he was a coach at the school I went to, I come walking to him in the parking lot. I'm as scared, I'm as nervous, I'm the biggest stutterer at all history in this moment as I tried to ask this man, this massive firefighter with that handlebar mustache, if I could take his daughter to prom. And I'll never forget what he said to me. Because I, I stuttered my way through it. I was fearful my whole way through it. I do not even know what I said. He looked at me in the eyes. And he said, Jacob, I want you to come back later, and I want you to ask me again, but this time I want you to ask me like a man. Church, the inner man inside of me was inexistent. I, was, I went right back to my little boy self. I was so heartbroken. You know, it's funny because I think about that story, and it, and it ended up shaping a lot of more stories and and moments in my life after that. I, I struggled with even having confidence to speak to adults. I even struggled with looking people in the eye. I had a hard time with that. Anybody else have a hard time with looking people in the eye? You know those weird people that just stare at you the whole time, and they're like, they're two feet from you, and you're like, Listen, you have no idea of personal space. So what are you doing? But you're like, are you staring into my soul? And I just had a hard time with that. And I've, I believe I've conquered that. I pray I've conquered that. But, man, I wasn't, I wasn't bold when I was little. And even still to this day, I have to, I have to fight for it. It's a, it's a muscle. Somebody say muscle. It's a muscle that we have to work out. It's, a, it's something that over time with practice and with faith, we can begin to speak we can begin to act we can begin to pray with such boldness church that would not only lead to salvations to healings to miracles to transformations but to a shakening of a city I, I just wonder if if we were decided today to ask for a boldness I wonder what would happen And so I want to give you three things today. I don't want to give you them right at this moment, but here's here's what those three things are if you're following along. I want to talk about the source of it. I want to talk about what stabilizes it, and I want to talk about what sustains it. So look with me again in Acts chapter 4, verse 23. It says, on their release, Peter and John went back, somebody say back, to their own people, and they reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, all the people listening to Peter and John talking about what just took place, when they heard this, they raised their voices in prayer to God. Now, you remember what, what's happening in the earlier chapters. They're, they're being persecuted for, um, for their lack of silence. They're being persecuted for being bold about the name of Jesus. And they try and shut them up. They say, you can't, you can't say that name anymore. You can't do those things anymore. And so Peter and John, okay, we hear you, but we don't hear you, you know, like we do with our parents. I hear you, but it's really going out the other ear. And they go back to their community, their believers, and they share with them what happens. And what is their response? What what is your response when the enemy comes after you? What is your response when the enemy tries to silence you? What is your response when your school says you can't take that Bible? What is your response when your work says you can't pray here? This isn't a church. What is your response when the government or the authorities above you try to silence you and tell you that you can't go to church? What is your response? And I think many, at times, myself included, we've, we've been cowards. We've hid behind other people, and we've just said, you know what? It is what it is. Oh, well. Come on, somebody say, oh, well. Oh, well. Or do you join with other believers? Do you get with your church? Do you rise up, and do you start praying with expectation and praying with boldness? I love what I love what Paul says in Romans 12, 12. He says, rejoice in hope. Come on, how many are thankful that we have a hope and his name is Jesus? Rejoice in it, be patient in tribulation, but be constant in prayer. I need you to find some people that you can go to war with. Come on, I need you to find some people who can pray with you and who can pray for you. Even when you're all alone in the moments like Peter and John, when you're told you can't do this, when you're told you can't say that, you go back, somebody say back, Come on, you go back to your believers, back to your church, and you say, I will not stand for this, but I will pray for this. Come on. I, I, I will pray and I will, be, I will be bold. And look what happens. Look at verse 24. This is, what he, this is what they do. They pray and they say, Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke. Somebody say, he spoke. He spoke. By the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against His anointed one. Are we seeing that today? Listen, this, this was happened in two thousand something years ago. This isn't a, this isn't anything new. It's still happening to us today. And then he goes back to talking about the story of Jesus in verse 27. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you have anointed. Now, if I could just skip over to, to chapter 5. I want to ruin it for you for just a moment. I'm not going to get to chapter 5, but I want to just tell you what happens. What, what do you think the, the, the whole group of believers do? Hey, we can't talk about Jesus anymore. That's what they're telling us. We're going to get arrested. What do they do? We don't, we don't care. We're going to keep praying. We're going to keep speaking. We're going to keep being bold. We're going to keep talking about Jesus. But what happens? They get arrested Again. And here they are faced before trial. And I've shared this story before a couple months ago. There was a man by the name of Gamaliel who stands in the line of Peter and John and the apostles and the the, the elders, the, the rulers, the teachers of the law, the authorities that try to tell them, we told you you couldn't talk about Jesus. We told you you couldn't have church. We told you you couldn't rally all these believers together. We told you. Yet you did. And this guy by the name of Gamaliel stands up. And he says one of the most profound things ever in scripture in a response to an accusation or somebody trying to silence somebody. He he says, if this is from human origin, what they're all doing, I promise you it's going to fail. But if it is from God, come on, if it is from God, come on church. If it is from God, then you're going to go to war against God and good luck. Man, I just, I love that. I'm going to start shouting that. I'm going to start saying that. You can silence what man has made, but you can't silence what God has made. Because what God has made isn't isn't temporary. What God has made is everlasting. What God has made is eternal. And so I can stand on that. I can preach that. I can be bold because of, because of that. And so so they don't. They don't They're not silent. They keep on going. They keep on preaching. They keep on declaring the name of Jesus because they they understood something, and it's called the sovereignty of God. They understood that, that God had authority over all and that God had control over all, and anything and everything that happened would happen according to God's plan and God's intention. And so I want to give you the first thing today. Where do we get our boldness from? What is the source of our boldness? The source of boldness is God's sovereignty. What gives you confidence? What, 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 what gives you confidence to do things that you usually wouldn't do? What gives you boldness to go out and speak in ways that you usually wouldn't speak? Is it a fresh, uh, fresh haircut or, or fresh clothes that you just got on? Is it, is it new shoes? Now, now you can walk out there. Now you, can, you know, now you can strut, now you can do your thing. Is it, some of you is like, I just need a drink. That's all I need. <laughs> I just need a drink and I'll get on the dance floor. But I just need a drink. I just need. I just need this. I just need. I just need that. The the problem with all of that is all that stuff's temporary. And so, what happens when you don't have it? Like, what happens when you go to the gym and you forgot your pre-workout? I might as well leave. Might as well go home. I can't lift. You know, you might as well, I'm just using gym, gym analogies because I go to the gym. You know, I'm doing chest or I'm doing arms and I forgot, I got a long sleeve on. I can't work out. Nobody's going to see the pump I get. So, so all of a sudden you lose the confidence because you forgot the one thing that you needed. You know, ask the athlete who shows up for game day and forgot their lucky socks. Well, I always win with them. Now we're going to lose. You know, ask the man who looks good and is ready to ask that girl for her number. He realizes on his way to her that he forgot to brush his teeth. All confidence gone. All confidence. There is no confidence in that. It's the mom who shows up to the, to the mall and got a bunch of little toddlers and realizes that she forgot to pack the stroller. There was confidence that I could do this. There was confidence that I could walk in this. I was bold before because I had what I needed, but now I don't have what I need and I can't be bold. And now I'm afraid. Now now I'm timid. Now now I'm not going to step forward. I'm not going to advance because I don't have the one thing I need. But church, can I tell you that you can have courage because of this one thing that you know God is in control. Come on. I can have courage. Because I know that God is in control. How many of you are thankful that God is in control and that you're not, that your spouse isn't? Praise God that they're not, you know? That your kids aren't. Some of you, your kids are in control of your life. In the name of Jesus, I, 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 I tell that to go. You need to be in control. God needs to be in control. And so as God is in control, I'm reminded of the passage in Romans 8:28, and we know that in all things, come on, somebody say all things. Tell the person next to you all things. Not some things. Not a few things. But in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. The Lord is at work even when you don't see it. The Lord is at work even when you don't feel it. The Lord is at work even though when you show up to church, you don't get all the goosebumps like you usually got because they didn't play the songs that you wanted them to sing. But as soon as that one song comes on, I feel the presence of God. But I don't feel it if they don't play it. And, and, And we've... We've allowed things and songs and moments and substances to determine whether or not we walk in the presence or we, we serve God. And, and the fact that God is in control should be the only thing that you need. The fact that God is omnipresent, that God is omni- uh, omniscient, that fact that God can do anything and be anywhere, that's all I need. Come on, tell somebody next to you, that's all I need. Tell them, I don't even need you. I'm just kidding, tell them that you need them. In fact, tell the person you're next to you, I really need you sitting next to me and keeping me focused and awake. But this is all that we need is the fact that God is in control. There are hidden things that we will never know. There are hidden things about this word. There are hidden things about God that we will never know. There are hidden things about our situations and our circumstances that we will never know until we get out of them. And some of you are asking, God, where are my answers? God said, I can't give you those answers now. I'm going to give you those answers when you get out, or I'm going to give you those answers when you get in heaven. There are hidden things, but there are revealed things. There are revealed things that he wants you to know now. Things like he told Joshua to be strong and courageous, to do not fear, do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Come on. Anywhere I step, anywhere I drive, anywhere I work, the Lord is with me. I don't have to fear that he's not with me. So I can have confidence and I can have courage. That's a revealed thing that I should know. There's revealed things that he told, that he told uh, uh, Paul when Paul was referring to the glory of God. He said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are to be what? Come on. We are to be very bold. When it comes to acting, when it comes to doing, when it comes to speaking, when it comes to praying, there is a boldness about us that stems only from knowing that our God is in control of all things. And not only does the way I talk, pray, or or change, not only does the way that I speak change, but the way I pray changes. I, 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 I get a little bit more specific in my prayer life. You know, specific prayers will get you specific results. How many believe that? Specific prayers get specific results. Some of you are just praying broad prayers. God, just just send me somebody. I'm desperate. Send me a man. I just want him to be tall. Lord, just, just send me a woman. I just want her to be nice. The problem is there's a lot of tall men and there's a lot of nice women. So who gets the glory when they show up to you and you automatically assume that they're from God because they're tall or they're from God because she's nice? That might be the devil. Telling you that the one thing you're looking for, the only thing you're looking for, I'm just going to show up and I'm going to bring a million of them. Good luck. But when we begin to pray specifically, come on, when when we make our list, you ever make any lists? No, some of you are just like, God, I need somebody. I want them to be around my age. Come up with a list. Do they love God? Do they love their family? Are they healthy? Do they love the word? Do they go to church? Do they serve in a church? Ask their friends if they're good people. Come up with a list. And just watch what happens. Watch what begins to de- de- develop in you. Watch what begins to form in you. you. You now have a deeper bond, a deeper trust with God. You have a stronger dependency on him. Plus, God gets the glory when he begins to answer specific things that you prayed for. Come on, specific prayers get specific results. You know, it was before we were married, Cheryl and I, and in fact, this December, we celebrate seven years. (laughs) Praise God. The fact that I barely remember that is by the grace of God. Seven years, and uh, before we were married, you know, we were looking for a place to live, and you know, my church that I was a part of was in Boca Raton. And so we were looking in Delray Beach because we love Delray Beach. And and so we came up with a list. This idea of specific prayers get specific results, get specific answers. We decided to pray specifically. And so we came up with our list. All right, God, well, we want to live, and and she can testify to this, we want to live a few minutes from the church and we want to live a few minutes from her parents. So we can't live past her parents and we can't live past the church. We're gonna live right in the middle, and we want to know the person that we're going to rent from. That would be nice, right? I mean, how many of you have no idea who your, you know, owner is? And quite frankly, you don't want to know who they are. Um, but, um, you know, I wanted to know who our owner was. I wanted God to say, hey, so-and-so knows who you are. They'd love to give you a place to rent. We asked for it to be under $1,000, which is strange in today's world. But it needed to be a two two. So a two two under $1,000, and I wanted it to be all carpet. I was just praying specifically, I don't know. I was like, God, if you're going to get all the glory in this, there's probably tons of places that we could get. But here's what I'm asking for. I want it to be close to her parents, close to the church. I want it to be under $1,000. I want the owner, you know, I want us to know them. I want it to be a tutu. I want it to be all carpet. And one day, my phone rings. Hey, so-and-so knows who you are. And, and they, they, want, they want to rent you their space. Where's it at? Delray Beach, a few minutes from the church, a few minutes from your parents' house. It's a two-two. The rent's under thousand dollars, and it's all carpet. Come on, somebody! God is the only person getting the glory for that. I don't know why. I, I don't know why I wanted it all carpet. I just wanted it all carpet. Anybody weird like me, and you don't walk around barefoot in the house. I just, I don't. So I wanted carpet so I could walk barefoot because I didn't want to wear slides all the time. So that's what I prayed for. And God got all the glory. Specific prayers get specific results. I just wonder how much, how much would change when you decide to say, I'm not afraid to be bold. I'm not afraid to pray specifically because I want God to get all the glory. Too many lived ashamed. Too many lived live uh, without boldness. And we crawl back to the isolated holes where we are, we are alone. We are afraid. We're unadventurous. And here's what I would say. If our God is in control, there should be no place for cowardice. If our God is in control, there should be no place for cowardice. Proverbs 28.1, the wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. In other words, there are some who are already in a position of retreat, even though nothing is coming after them. But then there are others of the faith who are bold and can walk with confidence, can walk with a relaxation, can walk knowing that God is in control despite what I'm going to face. And so the question is, are you, are you bold or are you afraid? Do you pray boldly or do you pray um, afraid? I wonder what it would look like if we looked at the enemy and the difficulty in front of me and said greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And so I can walk with boldness because I know where I get it from. I can walk courageously because I know where I get it from. The source is from the sovereignty of God. He is in control of all things. Amen. Here's the second one. The stabilizer of boldness is awareness of opposition. The stabilizer of boldness is awareness of opposition. Look what it says in verse 29. Acts chapter 4. They say, Lord, consider their threats. They're trying to silence us, they're trying to trying to keep us quiet. They don't want us to do this church thing, talk about you know your name. Look at their threats and enable their servants, enable your servants, God, to speak your word with great what? Boldness. To speak it with what? Great boldness stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Now, notice what they didn't pray for. They didn't pray for a God to change their circumstance. They didn't pray for God to eliminate the enemy. They didn't pray for God to remove them out of their circumstance. But what did they pray for? They prayed for God to empower them while in it. They weren't praying for protection they were praying for power. God, don't get me out of this. But God, help me get in it and help me get through it. And I think so many were just were asking God, change my circumstance. Change, change it all. or get me out of this. Remove those people. And God is like, you're in it. And I need you to be in it because I have work to do. There's something that I'm going to use you for. And if you flee it, if you get out of it, then you're not going to be part of it. And so rather than praying for protection, they prayed for power. There was a, a perspective change that they had. And perspective changes everything. You know this. You've applied this to different things. We change our perspective on how we look at things. We change our perspective on how we view things. And it, it begins to change everything. Because the truth is, some of us are ready to give up. Some of us are ready to throw in the towel. Some of us, were, we want to quit the business. We, we're ready to quit the marriage. We're ready to quit the schooling because I, I just, I have no confidence left. Everything that was holding me together was, is no longer there. Everything that made sense is no longer there. And you've tried everything. You've tried every tactic. You've, you've tried every counselor. You've tried every therapist. You've tried every drug. You've, you've tried everything. And some of those, those work. But it's not working for you. And here you are ready to quit. Here you are ready to give up. Here you are saying, they've tried to silence me, and I might as well just say, oh, well. You've been putting your trust in a system, in a government. You've even been putting your trust in a human covenant that you've made. You're at the end of the line. And it reminds me what David said in Scripture, Psalm 27. In the face of opposition, he said some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. And I just wonder if we began to change who we put our trust in or what we put our trust in, and we said, whatever those things are, whatever those substances are, they're no longer gonna work for me. The only thing that's gonna work for me is the name of Jesus that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. He is the author, the creator of this life, of your life. Therefore, I put my trust all in him and in nothing else. I don't put it in horses, I don't put it in chariots i don't put it in my kids i don't put it in my marriage i don't put it in my business great things but that's not what i put my trust in because all of those things will fail me but the one thing that will never fail me and the reason why i'm still standing today is because the grace and the mercy of god so you know this many of you have lived much longer than i have you've been in this you know this and yet still we question because we're human And so what do we have to do with what Peter and John did? You go back to the fellowship of believers. You go back to the place where you got saved. You go back to the moments and the people that were encouraging you, that were giving life to you. You go back to those moments. You don't go back to where you're by yourself. You don't go back to the places where you were alone. You you, you go back. You pick up the phone. You call somebody. You show up to somebody's house. Your soul is way more important than you being alone. Your soul is way more important than being alone, isolated, and being defeated and destroyed by the enemy. Because that's an enemy's tactic. Wants to divide you. Wants to separate you from your family. Wants to separate you from your church. Will cause you to question everything you believe. That's what the enemy does. But what do they do? Then they pray, God, don't take us out of this. Would you make us bold while we're in it? That perspective change changes everything. Perhaps God is saying, what you're desperately trying to get out of, I want you to desperately get right back in so I can work in you and I can work through you. Amen. Notice what it says. They consider their threats enabled your servants, Lord, to speak your word with great boldness and stretch out your hand. Somebody say his hand. You know, notice what's happening. You know, we we, we often ask God to empower me, give me the, the things to say, give me the things to do so I can and a lot of that says, God, empower me so, so, so the, the hand of man can move. Empower me so the acts of man can move. And these people are saying, Lord, empower us so your hand can move. So your doing can take place. They weren't saying, God, give us the ability to perform miracles. Give us the ability to perform healings. Give us the, the ability to do wonders so people can be convinced. This is what probably some of us have asked in the past. But, but I want to share what a, what a pastor and commentator by the name of David Guzik says. He says, it is a snare too long to be used to do miraculous signs, miraculous things. It's often rooted in the pride that wants everyone to see just how greatly God can use me. I should be delighted in the power of God, not because he has used me to display it. Because how many know the truth is God can use anybody? Come on, God can use anyone. And If you're not in line, somebody else is going to be in line. If you're saying, God, no, 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 not me. God will say, I'll I'll choose somebody else. He says, I'll pick a bush. I'll pick a a rock. I'll have a raven. I'll have a donkey speak for me if you can't. So the question is whether whether or not he wants to use you or use somebody else. What you need to know is whoever he uses, it's God that is in it all. It's God that is using it, not you, okay? It's God. tell somebody next to you, it's God. So let's bring it back to this awareness of opposition is what's stabilizing our boldness. Look what it says in verse 26. You know, the kings of the earth, they rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Herod, Pontius, Pilate, they met together to take down Jesus and and they thought they did. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter four says that Satan is the God of this age. That's a lowercase g by the way. He says he is the God of this age. In fact, in Revelation chapter 12, it says that Satan is accused of leading the entire world astray. This is, this is kind of his domain here. And if, if you are of God, can I give you some bad news? Which is good news at the same time. If you are of God, then you are a target for the enemy. There is a price for your head. If you're doing the things of God, if you're living in the ways of God, if you're speaking boldly for God, then you are on Satan's hit list. He wants to take you down. He wants to convince you that you're not worth it. He wants to show you that there's a better way and there's more rewards and there's better satisfaction. The enemy will do everything he can to cause you to leave, to silence you, and to destroy you. But If and when you face that opposition, if you are aware, come on, somebody say aware. If you are aware of the opposition that's coming, can I tell you that you're in a good place? Come on, you are in a good place. If you are aware of the things that the enemy is trying to do to you or to your family, perhaps God is preparing something for you that is bigger than you can think. Come on. Perhaps God is setting you up to do something big, to be a part of something big. You're saying what the enemy is using for evil, come on, by the name of Jesus, God is gonna turn it around for good. Amen. And so some of you, you're looking at your situation, you're looking at your circumstance, and I'm telling you to change your perspective, to look at it differently. And this isn't anything new. The enemy is trying, to, trying to, to destroy you. They were trying to destroy the disciples then and there at this time. And it's doing the same exact thing. Because if you're not for God, you're not walking in his will, you're not a threat. The enemy isn't too concerned with you. But when you are bold and when you are fearless, you start to become aware of the opposition. You know it's there. And I want you to tell yourself, that's good. Praise God. Come on, somebody say praise God. I'd, uh, I'd struggle if I didn't feel any of that opposition. I'd struggle if I didn't feel any of that tension. Of course, we as humans can cause that tension. You know, we're, we're sinful people. There's sin in us. I, I, my dad always says we're, we're saints that sin. So let me correct myself. Dad, if you're watching, we are saints that sin. There's sin still around. But we can, we can sense it and we can say with confidence what says in Hebrews 13:6, that the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Come on, I am of God. I'm a part of Victory Life Church. We are a Bible believing church. We preach boldly the word of God. We don't compromise. We don't close our doors. And we can say with confidence what government is going to do anything to us? What man is going to do anything to us? What other country is going to do anything to us? The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. I will be bold, and I will be courageous. Come on, somebody. And so I'm aware of it, and I kind of like it. And so here's what I want you to pray for. Don't pray for greater comfort, write this down, but pray for greater courage. Come on, don't pray for greater comfort, but pray for greater courage. Tell the person next to you now, tell them, I got you. I'm with you in this, all right? I got you, and I'm going to pray for you. We'll do this together. Here's the third one. The source of our boldness is the sovereignty of God. This, what stabilizes our boldness is this awareness of opposition. I know I'm, I'm doing the right thing. I, I, I'm gonna continue to be bold because I sense it. If I'm not sensing it, I'm probably unbalanced. And so I, I sense it, I'm aware of it, I see it. So I'm balanced, I'm doing what God has called me to do. But now the sustainer of boldness is expectation. There, there's, a, there's a new way to pray. There's a new way to ask. There's a new way to seek. There's a, there's a confidence that we have to have, church. It reminds me of an elderly woman who, who's, who has a lot of faith, a lot of boldness, and every day steps out onto her porch and says, praise the Lord. You know anybody like that? That's just always saying, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm like, it's Monday. Church was yesterday. You know, I'm going to say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Every day she'd step out on that porch and say, praise the Lord. Well, she had a neighbor that was an atheist, and the atheist, every time she stepped out there and said, praise the Lord, the atheist would say, there isn't a Lord. And she would say, praise the Lord. And so one day she stepped out and she was like, God, praise the Lord, I'm in need. I need some groceries, God. I need some groceries. And, I, and I, I'm expecting that you're going to deliver some groceries. I believe. I have the boldness to ask. I have the courage to ask. You've seen some people pray like this and you're like, you're weird. <laughs> that ain't happening. But some people are. They just get out there and she said over and over, I pray for the groceries to arrive. Well, well, the next, the next morning she shows up on her porch. What do you know? Groceries. And she shouted, she said, Praise the Lord. And out comes from the bush that atheist neighbor that said, Ha, praise what Lord. I bought you those groceries. They weren't from God. And she starts jumping, she starts clapping, and she said, Praise the Lord. The Lord brought me some groceries and He made the devil pay for it. Praise the Lord. Come on. Praise the Lord. And so there, there's a confidence that changes now. There's a, there's a boldness that changes when we can pray with expectation. There's a new way to pray. But I want you to understand this, that, that expectation that comes from us will fail us. A lot of our expectation is, is from what we know, from what we you know, foresee, and the problem is we. The problem is our finite minds. We only know so much, we only see so much, we can only believe so much. You know, it's the two people that are getting married. They're expectant to stay married. And then what happens when they don't? It's the man who, who, who has a new job. Money is coming in. So he's expectant that, that money's not going to be an issue, but he loses his job. It's, it's the wife who, who, who has a dad who's a great cook and gets married and is expectant that the husband is going to be a great cook. But then shortly she finds out he can't even make a bowl of cereal. Might be talking about me right there. <laughs> And so our expectations will fail us. And that's why it's so important. I even think of the, the passage in Psalm 62, 5, where it says, my soul, this is from the King James Version, my soul wait thou only, come on, somebody say only, only upon God. And it says, for my expectation is from him. And in church, this is the thing that, you know, we've said this before, but we, we know how the story ends. We, we've, we've, read, we've read the, the back. We've we've read Revelations, which many of us were like, what is going on in Revelations? But we know how it ends. It's a battle of good and evil. Every movie that you've seen of good and evil, that's depicting scripture. We know how this ends. We know the promises of God. We know the plans of God. We know the purposes of God. Does that mean we quit or give up? No. Does that mean we just sit over here, I've been saved and it's all I need? No. We continue to walk in it. We continue to step in it. We continue to ask for it. We continue to pray for it. We continue to show up to church. I'm already saved. I don't need to go to church. No, you need church. God has called you to be a part of this. Who knows who's sitting next to you that needs something that God has given you. And so we, we know the end of the story. We know the promises. In 2 Corinthians 1 Verse 20, says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes. Somebody say yes. They are yes in Christ. Now, with that being said, let's look what happens in Acts chapter 4, verse 31. And I'll close with this verse. It says, after they had prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, right? Everything began to rumble. The ground began to shake. The walls began to shake. And they were all filled just with the Holy Spirit. But what did it, what did it do? It caused them to speak the word of God boldly. Now there's a scene in scripture just a few chapters before this. If you remember, an experience very similar to this. It's the day of Pentecost. You know Jesus ascends and his Holy Spirit his disciples are up in a room and the Holy Spirit comes and just sweeps in everybody was filled with the spirit of God they began to speak in new tongues and they began to speak in new languages. And what happened? Like, this isn't, what's happening here in Acts 4 isn't a, isn't a new Pentecost that was never meant to be duplicated. This, is a, this isn't the second necessary feeling of the Spirit of God that you now need. This is another feeling, a new feeling. This is a, what I would say, a fresh, somebody say fresh, a fresh outpouring of the Spirit of God. This is what's taking place now in Acts chapter 4. It was a fresh outpouring of His Spirit, but it wasn't, I want, you to, I want you to understand this. It wasn't to do miracles and to perform signs and wonders. There was a reason why the Holy Spirit swept in and dwelt in the hearts of man and woman. Because it, it produced something. What did it lead to? It led to the saving of souls. The day of Pentecost, Peter, filled with the spirit of God. Had the boldness to step up and preach, 3,000 people came to know Jesus. In Acts chapter 4, the believers were filled with the Spirit of God. And what did they speak? It doesn't say they spoke in new languages or new tongues. It says they spoke the Word of God boldly. That's what happens. And I just think some of us, we're just, we're just asking for a fresh out point of a spirit so I can get crazy, so I can dance a little bit more, so I can do a little bit more things, so I can say a little bit more things. But the fresh out point of the spirit of God resulted in one thing, the word of God being spoken boldly. And so I, I, just, I just wonder how many of us have assumed that man—it's just going to get crazy when the Spirit of God moves. It's just going to get wild. People are going to start throwing off their shirts. You know, it's going to be like one of those scenes in the movies. No, you, you know what's—you know what's interesting in the Day of Pentecost when they all start speaking in these tongues and languages. People are like, "These people are drunk. These people are drunk. This is this is chaos." And I, I want to read with you what really what takes place because Peter gets up there and 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 he responds. Because I want you to know this, and you can write this down. The Spirit of God brings order, not confusion. Because where the Spirit of God is, what takes place when the Spirit of God sweeps in, what it does, I just told you what it didn't do, but what it does is it causes men and women to fall to their knees, to repent of their sins, to stop walking in their wicked ways and start walking in the will of God. That is not chaos. That is not confusion. In fact, that's the enemy's tactic. But God says, "I bring order." Come on, somebody say, "Order." I bring order. There is purpose in this. You may assume it's chaos, but look what look what Peter says. This is in verse. Uh, this is Acts chapter two verse uh, 17, he starts quoting um, the prophet Joel. He says, in the last days, come on, how many many believe we're in the last days? We're in the last days. Come on. I mean, I heard a pastor say when Jesus died to now, it's all the last days, but I think we're nearing the last days because of what we see, what we know, what we can read in the Bible, the prophecies that are being fulfilled. So he says, in the last days, God, I, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Come on, young people like me. How many of us would like to see visions? Come on, how many of us want to see visions? That's weird, that's weird. That's not chaos, that's not confusion. That's an order from God. I want to see visions. And then it says that your old men will dream dreams. Those a little bit older than the younger, you know, how many of you would want to see dreams? Come on, come on. How many of you would love to dream dreams? That's not chaos, that's, that's order. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. They will prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs on the earth below, which we, we believe we are seeing today. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and, and glorious day of the Lord. And listen to what it says in verse 21. And everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. You'll listen to what Warren Wearsby says. He says, the joyful worship of believers was not the result of too much wine, but it was evidence of the arrival of God's Holy Spirit to dwell in his people. I don't know about you, but I I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit dwells within me. I'm so thankful that I'm not the one who's trying to make all the decisions. At times I do. Paul says it's a, it's a tug-of-war between flesh and spirit. But if I could align myself with God align myself with the things of God. Who knows what God will do? Who knows what God will change? Who knows um, who God will change? Some of you have been praying for a lot of people. you got people in your inner circle that don't know Jesus. And you're saying, God, I'll bring them to church and maybe the pastor will preach something good and they'll get saved. God is saying, I've imparted my Holy Spirit within you now, I need you to go and be bold and speak the word of God to people around you. The truth is that God has a plan of salvation for all mankind. The, the work of redemption has already taken place. What's left? Sharing the good news of Jesus. It didn't stop Peter and John and the apostles, and it's not gonna stop us today. And I, I just wonder what it would look like if we here, and as we look at Acts chapter four, if the church came together and rather than praying against you know the threats of the enemy and rather than praying that the enemy would flee and that God would change our situation or God would change our circumstance, I wonder if we came together as a church and we prayed for boldness and that boldness would lead to salvations and that boldness would lead to miracles and that boldness would lead to healings. Not that's what it's all about, but what what could happen is a shaking of a city, a shaking of a family, a shaking of a community, a shaking of the people around us, the people within us. I mean, could you just imagine what would happen? If the church in South Florida simultaneously came together and said God we're gonna ask for one thing not that your, the evil spirits would flee not that the the, the governments would change or people in, in in the White House would depart and we get some new people in there what, what if we didn't pray that and instead we prayed God would you give us the boldness to share come on God would you give us the boldness to speak God would you give us the boldness to pray I wonder church what would happen Come on, if that's you and you're saying, you know what? I want to put aside all the substances, all the drugs, all the temporary things that give me the confidence. And I want to put my confidence in Jesus, the author of my faith, the creator of this universe. I want to put it in that. Knowing that I'll be still standing one day when everything else is failing, the one thing that isn't failing is the God that I believe in, the God that I stand in. Come on, if that's you, would you stand up to your feet? Would you be saying, would you say, God, I allow the Holy Spirit to work in me and through me? Come on, if that's you, would you just lift your hands? I want the Holy Spirit to work in me and through me. Come on, God, make me more aware. Make me more aware of not only the opposition, but make me aware of your presence, your love, Come on, God, make me aware. Your Holy Spirit is moving, God. I want to be in it. I want to be all about it, church. Come on, can you sing this? Can you declare this, spot? Come on, worship Him, yeah. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at dlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.